everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tough Topics in LD. Um, today we are joined by a special guest, Charlotte Flynn. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Uh, and Charlotte is a life and career coach. We spent 10 years in education. Um, and she also has a first class degree in psychology. Charlotte, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background and what's brought you here, please? Yeah. And first of all, as well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm an avid listener to your podcast. Um, I'm <laughs> oh not, I'm obviously not a physio. <laughs> I'm not a physio myself, but I just think it's, it's brilliant for, for anyone, um, literally anyone. So thank you for producing it. Um, and yes, so as my introduction, I'm Charlotte Flynn. I currently work within a university as a coach. And I also have my own business, which is Charlotte Flynn Coaching. And my real passion is helping people to thrive in times of challenge. So really working with them to discover what their unique strengths are, how they can put them into a career in a life that they love, uh, and working out where they want to be and how to get there. Particularly, I love to coach people who are carers and or siblings to people who are disabled because I, that's my lived experience. So I have a wonderful sister, Biz. She is um, an avid reader. She um, loves animals and she is also autistic and has learning difficulties and mental health issues. And so my lived experience helps clients really connect. And, you know, I've got that deep empathy because I've lived it and I know the, the brilliant ups and also the, the challenges that come with that relationship. So they, yeah, they're, they're a group of people that I work with and, I love what I do and I love that we've connected over the kind of that joint experience of being siblings. Yeah, we did. That is how we connected actually. I think um, I put a post out there about, um, was it the John Now blog or something along those lines? And I think that really sort of, you know, rang a bell with you. Um, and that's how Charlotte and I, you know, both got in touch. And then we thought, you know, with, with some behind the scenes chats, we just thought this would be a really, really useful thing at a time when, you know, there's so much going on in the world. There's so much going on in people's private lives to look at we've got this professional expertise here of somebody who can help us to thrive in times of challenge which is what we're trying to theme this podcast around with a link to siblings day um what um how do you see the challenges that are faced by siblings of people who are disabled you know within professional and personal practice and life and career sorry Mm. And I think one of the things that I do as a coach with any client is to really delve into what thriving means to them and also what challenge means to them. And, and you know, that question is so personal to everyone. So for some people, the challenge might be the fact that they're balancing their, their work, their life and their sibling. It could be that the challenge is actually how the world is. So my that's my experience, to be honest, the, the challenge is how the world is sometimes to my sister and how people can be with my sister that's the deep challenge I have and coaching really helps me through that and um, so I have a coach um, and in 2015 that was the first time I had a coach uh, a taste of coaching and that was what I went to them, them for and, and worked with them um, with the coach with um, I'm very, very stuttery there, but That's yeah. Okay. So, so challenge, challenge is personal to to each client, and I think one of the key things is to, to discover what that looks like. What what are the barriers that are coming with that challenge, and what is it stopping them from doing? Often, the challenge can get in the way of something brilliant, can't it? So, we think about what that means to them and how we can 
it's not necessarily removing that challenge, but it's thinking about how to navigate that challenge in a way that feels good for them and their sibling. You know, I think a lot of what I do is to make sure that someone can understand their challenges enough so that they can be in a place that feels good because then that makes us a better sibling, doesn't it? You know, when I'm when I'm a better person, I'm also a better sibling. Perfect. Perfect. You touched on some of the my next question there, Charlotte, and I was just going to go for those for those that are uninitiated. You know, how how would you sort of define what coaching is, and you know, because some people I think the, the the lines can be a bit blurred between sort of you know what is you know sort of the counselling side of things versus what is coaching, and how would you sort of describe that to people who've not come across it before? Yeah, and this is a great question. So, especially with my coaching, I see it as very future fo- focused and solution focused. So coaching is often, you can delve into the past slightly if it's going to inform the future, but it tends to be really looking forward, working out where you want to be and how to get there. And whereas counselling and therapy, which is also brilliant, and I, you know, a lot of my clients have counselling and therapy either at the same time as coaching, or they'll have some therapy before they go into coaching. And so that tends to process things that have gone on, really delve into what happened and why, Whereas coaching goes from the place you are now, how you can step into a future that's better for you. And there's, yeah, my coaching tends to be around career development as well as life, because I don't think that you can separate those two, actually, because they weave so closely together. So, yeah, it's often based around positive psychology as well. So working from a place of how you can make yourself better. So often, you know, people can view coaching well some people think it's just sports coaching so I actually quite like that when people when I say I'm a coach and then I'm like right what can I pretend that I'm good at sports wise um and but yeah either they see it as sports coaching or some people see it as kind of a, a something that's to prevent something bad happening or kind of remedial and actually you know my, my training is in executive coaching for coaching directors and they're at the top of their game in in a sense yet they still want to be better so coaching's there for everyone and, and it, it can really transform well it transformed my life I mean it sounds like an exaggeration but it really did in 2015 I had coaching and with coaching it's not giving advice and that's something that when you first have coaching it feels quite different to any any other conversation because we're so used to someone when we say something that we want to be different, someone jumping in and giving some advice, whereas coaching taps into your own knowledge so that you can create options and a future that's right for you. So in my circumstance, I had had a quite a serious head injury, which led to me being hospitalised. And so coaching came at a time when that was quite a unique experience to happen. And in a way, people couldn't give advice over what to do because it was so unique. The coaching is brilliant for me because it allowed me to work out for myself what was best um, and that's where coaching can can really help people to thrive the other day actually someone said um so we'd done the coaching session and I said you know how did that feel for you what you know what's different and they said are, are you a witch <laughs> and I was like why do you say that and they said I've just the things that I've come up with I never knew that were were within me and that's the beauty of coaching it's holding space for people to delve into what they already know and because you're delving into what's right for you 
the options that you generate are so genuine because they're connected from from within so yeah I could talk about it all day I'm a huge (laughs) I'm a huge fan I'm a complete psychology geek and, and coaching geek and I just think it can it can have real positive benefits for people it sounds incredibly powerful it really does um so in in terms of obviously looking at us and sibs um, as siblings um you know we know that within learned disability practice you know there is a higher proportion of people who have a personal connection to people with a learned disability of some shape or form um we know that in the uk there's around 13 million people who have a personal connection to somebody with a learned disability and so there are you know there, there are going to be some really these are some really challenging times you know we're at a point when we're recording when covid regulations in the uk have just been you know removed um obviously things are going on in ukraine there's obviously lots of change and challenge coming up people's personal finances is being hit um in terms of you know cost of living increase we've seen the largest one in, in decades how how do you think what, what tips could you give to people um that you know and how, how to negotiate and navigate these sorts of Think, you know the, the current climate charlotte if you could mm. solve this with the best podcast in the world because you'd <laughs> solved everybody's problems uh, and i think you know when even when you say all of those things doesn't that just show the enormity of what we're going through it really does show just how much and i think there are lots of different tools and techniques and i think one of my favorite approaches um is to think about the two almost the two versions of ourselves so The way that I describe it is that we've got a core version of ourselves. So that core version is thinking about, okay, so what do we need to do? What do we need to make sure that we're healthy and that our mental health is healthy? And what also do we need to care for? So for me, it's caring for my toddler, making sure that my friends, my close friends are okay, that my family are okay, that my siblings are okay. And that's the core. And if I was to go through life with just that core, that would be absolutely fine. You know, working out exactly what needs to happen. So that's the core. And then working out what your stretchy is. So what what will you do when things are really good? And perhaps when, I don't know, that a day is feeling better for you, for you and you think, do you know what? I've got, I've got a bit more in me than my core. And in your stretchy, you work out, okay, so what's my behavior in my stretchy what can I do above and beyond how can I kind of exceed my my expectations and by knowing what your stretchy is you can then really easily step into that when it feels right to but equally on days you know like you say when all of those things just feel really heavy on us we can we can go to your core but you know that that's okay and you don't feel any guilt from going back to your core because you know that you're going to be looking after everyone you need to looking after yourself um, but knowing those differences can allow us to be really kind to ourselves as well, to know that we are okay and we can also stretch ourselves. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my favourite go-to analogies and I use that a lot and I kind of, I even have a little talking to myself sometimes and I think, okay, what am I feeling today? And it can, it doesn't even go from day to day. Sometimes it can go from hour to hour, one hour, I think, you know what, I can, I can talk to this new person or I can do something more adventurous on social media and then other times I think you know what it's a core time I'm just gonna I'm just gonna look after my core. I think it certainly it certainly sounds like it's you know helping people to develop an awareness of themselves um, mm. which is you know something that I found hard um, knowing where I am um, but it's quite interesting to you to hear that obviously we've not necessarily talked about coaching per se together but if anybody interacts with Charlotte, you'll know that she does talk about she's she's, she's a 
uh, a prolific uh, voice note um, spammer, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> you get the dulcet tones through, and she, the front of the first one she sent me was like, I'm feeling a bit stretchy today. And I was like, so me being a physio, I'm like, okay, you know, a bit of gymnastics or anything like that. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, when that, a when yeah <laughs> yeah I forgot that you probably wouldn't have known what that meant yeah I um when I posted about it actually and I was thinking will this confuse people even more because if they just looked at the the diagram they'd think a core and a stretchy zone but yeah I'm talking your language aren't I just yeah so <laughs> exactly the same that you know on a stretchy day we can go we can go a bit further than normally our bodies can let us and the same with our minds you know we can we can choose when we step into that into that stretchy zone and when it feels right to so yeah, I'm glad the analogy links to physio. I can pretend that I, I'm physio-y, can't I? <laughs> well, look, I mean, this podcast, is, you know, is the, the idea is it's, it's targeted at healthcare professionals across the learning disability practice, whether they be nurse, physio, social work. Um, Sean, who's not here today, um, just so just happened that Sean and I were a pair of big mouths on social media um, and, and got drawn together. Um, so, you know, much as, you know, I'm here as a physio today, we know we're here to try and represent, you know, the, the challenges and commonalities across all areas of learning disability practice, which can be challenging because obviously you don't mm. know what you don't know. Um, mm. but and I went along. Okay. Go on. I went along to one of your your workshops as, you know, just knowing that you are an expert in this field, not that it should be a field. I know that that's, yeah, something that, I, you know, I know. It terminology. Even be yeah but you know you 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 know you you get all of this and I went along knowing that I would learn things and I absolutely did and you know we can all work together on understanding more so that we can be better to ourselves and to other people can't we so and I think that's great and that's why I've linked liked the podcast so much that you know it, it's not not you know there's a nurse and a physio presenting it but I still get everything you're talking about and I learned so much about just what a long way we have to go yeah we do and and what what challenges do you think um are are out there that are different for for siblings of somebody with a learning disability over somebody who doesn't have you know a sibling who has a learning disability uh, are the other challenges different in, inherently are they the same are they you know wolves in sheep's clothing it just looks slightly different how would you phrase that yeah, I think I think all all of that actually. I think some of the challenges are exactly the same. So you know, when I speak to my friends who have siblings who get, who aren't disabled, I can link to them so closely. You know, I get everything. I get those those arguments. And I know before we've spoken about kind of you know those those just being a sibling is being a sibling. And so there's lots of things that are the same. But I think when and and I think this was why linking up with the Sibs charity for me was so powerful and I, and I thank you for that because you told me about Sibs so they're a charity who support both young siblings and adult siblings and one of the things that was just the most brilliant thing is that I went along to their whole day for adult siblings and it was the first time that I'd been in a space it was an online space but I was in a space with people who were all siblings and there's just such a deep empathy which and it shows that they're there are different challenges and I think you can only really understand it when you're in it when you are a sibling of someone who's disabled and actually at the weekend one of my friends was saying you know I hadn't quite realized how you know what your experience is like and I think she she'd learned a bit more from from my work on social media and she said you know I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't realize as much and that you know that was such a kind thing for her to say but I, I said to her in return 
it is absolutely fine because you just literally can't unless you're a sibling you don't of someone who's disabled you don't you've just not lived it and I think that's why clients who are siblings of disabled people who I work with they just know that I know and I think there's something quite powerful in that but going back to kind of what those challenges are I think again linking back to what I said earlier for me it's how we we navigate the world we can really see how easy we have it as people who are non-disabled and I know some siblings of people who are disabled are also disabled themselves but for, for me I'm not disabled but my sibling is and I can see so often so throughout childhood and now as an adult I see every day the way that I can navigate the world is dead easy and simple and the way that she navigates the world is not because of how we're currently set up I have hope that it will change and you know people like you and you know we'll we'll make these changes but at the moment it's not and that's the thing that I find most hard and I think a lot of siblings find hard that they're they love so deeply their sibling and they have such an empathy for their sibling and all that they experience and when things are hard that's really difficult mm. equally I think when things are good so I can I can remember really distinct moments in time when people have been exactly the way that people should be with everyone you know but particularly with my sister you know when she's treated in the way that she deserves the joy it brings to her for weeks on end is you know is brilliant and that should just be her every day but unfortunately it's not and I think the challenge can often come from having that deep empathy for your sibling and seeing them have a world that's not easy I think it's interesting that you sort of say, you know, we, we see things differently. And I think that there's only certain, there's only in my adult life have I sort of come to reflect on on the things that, that are different. Because I think growing up, one thing that I personally experienced, and this isn't to apply to everybody, um, was that I always use the phrase things just were. I think as yeah. kids, we, we, we things are. And, you know, everything that you experience as a kid is normal. And that's exactly what everyone else experiences as far, you know, it's almost like the theory of mind concept, but to an nth degree. Um, um, I always think, you know, think about things that, are, you know, that we experience. you know, of course, we, I used to go to a Rygate, um, which was a therapy center for my brother. My brother had physiotherapy, OTs, salt. I just thought it was a great place to go and play. Um, you know, they got lots of goodly toys. There was a ball pool. I used to do John's physio with him, and there were some funny people there who made lots of jokes and we used to play games. You know, and that just was. And I was like, well, surely yeah, this is you no, know, it's just a just a fun thing that you do. Um the, John had, you know, quite some challenges with his health growing up. Um, that meant quite a few emergency hospital admissions. Um, and you know, but it was like it, sometimes we'd get woken up at I get woken up at two o'clock and the bags would be packed and I'd be at grandma and grandpa's and it's like a little midnight adventure and I was like oh, that just is it's only when you come to later on in life that you start to realize actually okay right John was severely ill then mum and dad needed to get me out of the way because they need to support him um and I think you know it, it might be difficult for people to sort of understand that. But if you think about your, think about your own Christmas traditions, I always go back to this one. If you struggle to think about things that just are, that are completely alien to other people, think about things that your family do at Christmas, that when you went to somebody else's house at Christmas, you're like, what, you do what? <laughs> it's almost that You open kind your of presents thing. at what time? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> These rules or quirks yeah. or traditions that families have that are so unique to them. It's that same sort of thing, but just, you know, in terms of, being a sibling uh, is that something you can relate to Charlotte 
absolutely and I think that analogy is is brilliant and I can so relate to that and I think that that is where the strengths come so I'm so passionate about helping siblings and everyone to find their strengths but I think what you talk about I can relate to that experience and all of that becomes so part of your everyday you know those trips to hospital though that kind of that that world that you live in becomes so normal it then gives you a bit cheesy and I know often people don't like this but it gives you the superpower which is dealing with tough times in a way that's Mm. just you're used to it and I think that I'm so grateful for the fact that I've had that I've had those times when things are in crisis and I've had to well I I say I've had to you don't think about it it just becomes your everyday and and I noticed the way that I navigate the world now as an adult things that seem very unusual to some people they kind of I'm like oh that's that's normal and and then and I think there's a real strength in that knowing that you you know how to be in times of challenge because you've just been your everyday um yeah Yeah. I I think you definitely had that and I've, I've, I've experienced that but only on reflection people have sort of said oh you know you dealt with in a situation I was a first responder on an accident or whatever or or at work when something's gone wrong and the feedback is that you know actually you deal quite well with that you dealt well with that in, in a crisis you're pretty good in a crisis and that's not to say you know aren't I great but I think it just comes back to you know you do, you don't necessarily process it you just do um yeah so it's good to and hear. I think yeah we were talking in uh, with the siblings recently actually we were talking about how is it a sibling thing that when you're walking around people seem to want to stop and talk to you and and I tell them tell you your life stories and I think that's from us having a real skill with communication because we perhaps have, ha- have communicated in ways that are needed at, at particular times or we've been around people who are brilliantly diverse which I you know everyone can benefit from being around everyone can't they but because we've we've had that chance to be around more people we know how to be and I think people can link to us because of that so we're joking about the fact you know the other day actually I was I was talking in French to someone because I picked up that they spoke French and I don't I I speak very much Franglais but you know I I realized that they they might enjoy the fact that I could speak a bit of French and I think that's because I'm used to adapting my communication to be there for other people and I think that again is just part of our everyday we we know to we should be the ones to tweak our our ways because the world is easy for us so you know absolutely we can do something different if it's going to benefit another person yeah adaptability and communication is one of the key skills in any professional role and in any personal role as well I think and I think with with professionals one of the things that is rammed in during our training is that we need to be professional I need sorry you know when, when it's your job you need to be rammed into that you need to be professional and it's kind of you know well what is professional um and actually for me i far more see that authenticity is is a better form of professionalism particularly within physiotherapy than than you know treating everybody you know the, well some people think it's the disability advocacy and go well i need to treat everyone the same well no no, no that's you're missing the point you're missing the point entirely you need to be flexible and adapt your approach to the needs of the individual um I'm just thinking actually I was at a uh, share a little anecdote I was at the park with um, my daughter Madeline who's seven um, and there was a, a lad who had Down syndrome there just happened to be there um, and he was playing on his own and when he went to one area of the park the kids all moved out of the way um, 
this was only the other, week, the other weekend actually um and madeline i could see her sort of sat there and, and bless her i think because my um, her uncle had down syndrome um she was sort of immediately drawn towards this young man but she didn't know how to start the conversation so i said oh do you know what you know we'd like to go and say hello she's like yeah but i don't know what to say and i said well you know some signs don't you i've seen him talking to his mummy and he signs as well so i said i'll come with you because kids are obviously nervous about introducing themselves to each other and you know she, she said would you want to play and he was like yes please and then they played for an hour and a half and actually now um she's got a friend who they're going to meet up at the park and his face just from he was having a good time playing on his own but then he had an absolute blast just running around the place with Madeline. And I think, you know, she, her adapt, she adapted, she changed um, how she communicated with him. She said, I used shorter sentences. And this isn't something we'd ever, you know, said to her that she had to explicitly do. But I said to her, how was it communicating? She said, well, it was tricky at first, but um, I just, you know, I use single words that those helped. If I knew the sign, I used that. If I didn't, I'd just point or tap on something. And, and he knew. Um, and it's yeah. and how no, and how brilliant is that you know and thinking about that you know if if you were to reflect which which it sounds like you have on that you kind of she's identified that that's someone she wants to link with and it could be for any number of reasons you yeah. know it could be yet yeah, like you say um her uncle was had down syndrome it could be that she particularly liked his trainers or whatever and, yeah. the, and there's a link so they're identifying a the link then working out how how she wanted to be and planning that almost you know knowing that she needed some support like we yeah. all do with talking to new people and then afterwards you'd, she'd reflected and become really self-aware on on how to be and you know to do that in any conversation is valuable isn't it and yeah. and I think you know if if we were all doing that more often it would be the world would be a better place I think so. <laughs> you know I think and, so. yeah yeah that's a nice anecdote one of the things that I personally feel like and I've mentioned this this phrase to you before and I think it struck a chord with you but it's worth mentioning for the purposes of the podcast was one of the challenges I think that that we face as the siblings who have a, a disability is I think we oh, well my, my way of um gaining time and um not not attention but you know positive reinforcement from my parents was growing up was was I put myself on what I now term the achievement treadmill um so I because John's needs were so high he was as I said very medically complex as a young man um and that meant that he needed a lot of time and attention and that's completely fine and I actually benefited incredibly from having a, a brother with a disability but one of the things I identify is that I put myself on the achievement treadmill which is where I would gain positive affirmation from my family by achieving and then that becomes, then the treadmill gets a bit faster because then I have to, well, okay, this is how I, you know, this is how I do. I, I achieve and therefore I need to achieve. And that desire and need to be pushing yourself to be always seen to be doing things. And I think that's probably been something that's very helpful in my career, but it does get tiring. And it means that it's very hard to get off. And, and I think one of the things I identify in my, as an adult now, so adult, um, is is that I'm I've become very good at a human being a human doing sorry but not quite good at being it so if I have time where you know I want to sit down for an hour at the weekend I still now even though I'm aware of it and it used to be even worse have huge pangs of guilt that I could be doing something I could be achieving I could be contributing 
and is that something that you come across with with others is that something that resonates with you and feel free to say no if it's not it absolutely is and and um when as soon as you said it because you, you use that analogy and i it was just such a light bulb moment for me and i think we had a big conversation about it didn't we because it was such um it, it put in place exactly how I feel. And I, and I think, like you say, you kind of, you don't know how to get off in the sense that when a treadmill goes, I, I also, I love running. I hate treadmills. So I also love this as well, because it kind of, the analogies can kind of work. And, and to kind of take that analogy a step further, I think when you're running, so I'm weird and I love to run up hills. So I, I love hill running. I'm from near the Lake District, so kind of explains it. But so I love to run uphill. And you get such satisfaction when you get to either the next rest stop or the summit. You, you can soak in the views. You can soak in the fact that you're there. You can have a, a snack. On a treadmill, however, you're never going to get those celebrations. And you're never going to. And I think that that can be the feeling that you're, you're going, 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 but you're never stopping to soak in the success, how small or large that may be. But. And I think that's definitely one of the things that I speak to clients about. And, and it's thinking about how you can take a break daily, weekly to really soak in your success so that you can you can acknowledge where you are and, and you can feel that you're making progress. And then also that you can reflect about what the progress is and whether you actually wanted it in the first place. I know definitely within my career, I've kind of I've been on weird, you know, I get that thing of. I need to achieve, I need to be the one who, because it's easy for me, of course I need to, you know, you, you also feel that you have, yeah, for me it comes from kind of that recognition from, from family and also that need to, because I can, surely I should, but sometimes, you know, I've, I've been on these paths in my career and then I suddenly realised that's not even what I wanted, but I'm on it now and, you know, you have to keep on going, so, yeah, no, I can so, so relate to it and, and you know what? I and I, I texted you to say, can I, can I, can I do a post on it? That was months ago. And the reason is, I want to get a picture of me on a treadmill, but I hate the treadmill. So I, so like, I'm still waiting to be able to post it because I just don't want to go on the treadmill. But yeah, and I think, you know, it can, like you say, you know, you've got a brilliant career, you've had some incredible opportunities, and that that will be partly because of that, won't it? Hmm. But I think when we're not given permission to stop and reflect about whether it's an achievement path that we want to go on then that can start to get damaging for our health or for our careers even because we can end up on a on a path when we're not actually passionate about it, it was certainly something that I personally found was difficult for my mental health um as an adult particularly when I had a daughter um and then that sort of added well the, the number of things that you could be doing to contribute has now increased exponentially um, before it was you know do the garden and now it's like well let's spend some time with our daughter help her develop you know and almost got into a bit of a, a crisis inside my own brain of you know what do I do for the best you know is it focus on my career is it focus on my family is it do the garden and the grass needs cutting the dogs need walking and, and and those things and every time I sat down in the back of my brain was always you could be doing something you could be doing something you, then, then I went to you should be doing something um, because that's how I'd conditioned myself growing up to get you know, to, to get that sort of positive feedback um and you know and people may, may may reflect on it and just sort of say well that's a bit it's a bit, bit pathetic isn't it but that's 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 honestly me sort of you know bearing myself of of, of that's how I dealt with it um rightly or wrongly mm. you know here's some kids you know may go down destructive paths and may 
have chat, you know, may, um, I was going to use the phrase act out, but may, you know, may, may decide to become a little bit more mischievous to get feedback. Um, so I'm grateful that it's been challenged for what I think is good, I think. Um, mm. But but it does have its, its, its own inherent drawbacks in of itself. Mm. Um, and and then you kind of, we, we both use that word kind of should. And you did a recent post about when you're, like you were, you were talking about lifting weights and that you you reframed it to kind of, I can. I think it was the backing track, wasn't it? That was saying I can or I, I will. Like, I, get, I get to do this, wasn't it? That was I it. get to, love it, yeah. So, and I think by reframing into language like that, we can actually work out in the step of a positive reframe. So going from I should to I get to, that's called a positive reframe. And in doing so, we can work out whether we actually want it. So for an example, if I was saying I should, I should do some more spreadsheets for work. If I was to phrase that to I get to, it wouldn't map onto that. So I realized that actually, it's not something that brings much joy and I don't need to. So you can kind of work out where you want to be. But if you're constantly on that treadmill without taking a step back to reflect, then that can get, that can get hard. But yeah, as you say, you know, I am, I'm grateful that I went in the direction that I did. And I'm sure my parents are as well, but you know, we chose the <laughs> achievement treadmill. Yeah. But yeah. And, and I definitely see another sibling that is something that clients bring. I like that. And I like how you've taken that, Charlotte, because that was just a little skit um, that was just saying it was talking about, um, I think I, I, it's on my Instagram reel and it just says about, you know, when you look at things of I have to, I have to, I have to. And actually, if you change that narrative and say that I get to, it changes your perception on things. And actually, you've taken that a step further and applied that to you know, day-to-day work tasks such as Excel spreadsheets. And I kind of, it sort of ch- makes me chuckle with the mon- mundanity of it. But actually, like you say, it can be a really useful tool Um and finding out what what is your drive and that, yeah I can see how this coaching malarkey point might work welcome to Alistair's open co- coaching session <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everybody yeah and I think once you once you start having coaching it's not just in the session itself so you also you know like you say you can then take it into different situations and, and it's just kind of a toolbox and that, a positive reframe is one of my favorites and sometimes it's easier to do than other times but it's it's often effective so what what other tools there then do you have then charlotte that we can utilize mm, wow what do you want a tool for if you if you could sort of summarize what you know what are your four most used spanners yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so well one of the things that i i really like as a tool is to work out who your team are so when because we've, we've both had children. I know lots of people can relate to this term, even if you haven't had children, but they say it takes a village to, to kind of grow a family or to support a child. And I think it just takes a village to be, you know, just to be an, an adult, to be a human, it takes a village. And by that, I mean, and the way that I take that is that I actually did grow up in a village, um, but right now I don't live in a, an actual village, but I've created a team or a village around me who I know that, I have to go to for different things so my my really dear close friend is uh, originally from Kenya she moved over here after university and she talks about her village back home there's a go-to person for everyone so there's kind of someone who you know will be able to advise you on finance there's someone you know who will lift you on a on a time that feels hard you know that there's someone who can give you advice about relationships and she talks about how 
in her village she feels the well-being is really high because everyone has someone they're not relying on just a partner or just a friend that everything they need in life so I think one of the really good things can be to work out your team so who do, who do you have as your mentor who's your go-to practical person who's your go-to person for emotional support and we can have different teams so you kind of have your work team and then you have your personal life team but working out who's there for what can be really effective because then you know there are there are certain people who you might not want their advice but you love to be around them because they lift you there are certain people who just don't get being a sibling and that's fine you know yeah I have other people for that so I think working out your team can be a really effective effective thing um and you know that can be applied to, to work or personal life does that kind of resonate with you as a as a physio I guess in your role yeah can you when I, when I talk about team can you visualize who, who's your who's your person do you know actually I was just, I was literally just sat there listing people off in my head you know in terms of the, the meet those sort of personal professional um sort of circles and and one thing is since going self-employed is obviously that that sense of team has been you know diminished to an extent but actually then it's it's sort of grown exponentially but via social media you know there are hundreds of people now like yourself Charlotte that I, that I connect with that I've never met in person <laughs> but yeah, I still feel yeah. like I have really close positive relationships to um and kinship um uh, that's helpful in both a personal and a professional sense so so yeah no I, it was it was a while you I was just taking some time there sorry if I wasn't engaging but I was just in my own head just listing off creating little um little lists <laughs> yeah and I think you know working out as well where where your team might be lacking so you know if you know I, I'm I'm really active but not sporty it's a kind of a, an ongoing joke with my husband who's a PE teacher I'm active but not sporty but if I was sporty I can imagine that if I was picking a team you know I, I might see that I'm lacking in a certain area so you go out and find a teammate that, that fills that area and the same for us in everyday life and in our careers if we're realizing that actually we probably don't have a mentor we probably don't have someone who's just slightly ahead of us who we can go to for things mm -hmm. and then you might think okay how can I seek out that mentor and like you say that might not be in person that might be on Instagram it could yeah. be that you you find someone who's an expert in your field and I'm sure you are that to many people I imagine you know your your Instagram account becomes a place for people to go for advice um so yeah not, yeah not sure about that not sure about that but yeah I, <laughs> I I did I did find a mentor actually I worked with a lady called Anne Gates of Exercise Works who's not on Insta but she's um hugely prolific on Twitter um and she is such an effective lady at bringing change at scale um and actually the first time I met her it completely blew my mind because she was like well Alistair you need to you know you, you're thinking small here you need to, you're mm. thinking about one or two conditions you need to think about populations and I was like whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a minute I'm just a and she's like no you're not allowed to use the phrase just a physio and, and she just completely reframed everything and actually every time I come out of a meeting with Anne um I sort of a little bit of smoke comes out the top of my head because my brain cells have been rubbed together so hard but it is it is really inspiring to listen to her talk you know Anne's vastly experienced she's a pharmacist by trade but um is 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 an expert at promoting change and, and is worldwide world widely renowned um at, mm. at well at promoting exercise and, and and linking in with medical people so she's she's amazing um and yeah actually i do need to you just remind her that i need to send her an email so i'm just gonna make a quick note of that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm gonna make a note to follow this person you know Anne sounds incredible and and, and it is 
it can we can really strengthen our team around us by seeking out those people who can lift us both in our careers and in our personal life because you want to be surrounded by a brilliant team don't you so yeah and people like Anne they can they can help us to thrive in such a powerful way certainly certainly so so we've got the um the, the, the who are your team I like I like the positive yes. reframing side of things uh-huh. if, if you were to give sort of one more thing because I'm one conscious more, of time okay. one more thing right what would choose you say the best you? one yeah yes. what would you think or you can go for more than one if you want I just I didn't want to yeah no that's fine <laughs> as I say I can go on about all this all day um so another one I really like is we we touched upon it earlier around those successes and kind of really knowing your successes in terms of the achievement treadmill so being able to kind of soak them in and I think that's also a tool that can be so useful so being able to acknowledge what you've already achieved because so often we're just on to the next thing So there are some quick and easy kind of practical tips. So while coaching isn't about giving tips, often, you know, on my Instagram, I talk about kind of tips for personal growth. And one of the things I recommend is to have a kind of a portfolio in your mind of your successes. So it could be a physical portfolio. You know, it'd be so good as adults if you could have, you know, the brownie sash or, you know, with your badges on. (laughs) But kind of that visual of what we've achieved. And I think so so much as adults, we don't collect our successes. But so the way that I do it, actually, I have an, an email inbox, a separate folder where I collect positive emails. And I call it my email to look at on a bad day folder. And all of my successes or good feedback goes straight into there. And we can do it in other ways as well. We can have kind of photos on our phone that, that refer to just times where we were really happy in our personal life. You know, those times where we, we did this incredible co-steering trip where I just felt so kind of at one with nature and just adventurous. And, and, and so I've got photos I go to. So just really making a conscious effort to collect those achievements, whether it be things that made you feel good or whether it be big successes and then taking time to actually celebrate and not just celebrate the ones that are the big milestone but the milestones in between and I think it can it can bolster us and often when we're then going on to do the next challenging thing sometimes we get those feelings of doubt you know those imposter thoughts and we can then be tempted to go externally and go to someone and say can I do this you know is this something that I can do and you kind of go for that external validation but once you've got your portfolio or your brownie badge or your email inbox or your, your folder of photos, you can delve into your own achievements and your own successes and you can remind yourself that you can do it. So you're not relying on that, that external validation. You're going back to what you've already achieved. And that can be really powerful to, to prove to ourselves that, yes, you've got a challenge on its way, but you can, you can deal with it. Wow. I love that. I think we should. I'm going to turn a folder in my email inbox called the Charlotte Flynn Sash. And that's going to be my. Um, yes, I love it. Yeah. We'd, we'd yeah. like two emails from my mum in there. Um, <laughs> I'll have to send you an email so that you can add one in. Yeah, please, please. Yeah, there's none right now. I think it's really interesting to, to hear that. And actually, it's, it's something that I think we particularly, I'm now going to put my physio hat in, in rehabilitation, you know, particularly when people have had. Yeah, I work with people who've got traumatic brain injury, but people are even who are um, on a journey of managing lifelong conditions, people want to be at the top of the ladder. And I use the ladder analogy, whatever analogy you want to use to steps. And I know they're not necessarily accessible, but don't at me. 
Um, <laughs> we, we talk about people want to be at the top. And, and if you want to be at the top, you will, you'll never be happy with being halfway up because you're not at the top. Then you won't see the fact that you're now halfway up a ladder or the rungs that you've gone or the, the steps of success. You know, and we have to spend a lot of time reframing physical progress back to people in a way that sort of says, well, look, these are the objective markers. These are the things that we're testing. You can now do this better. You can do that, whatever. And people actually go, oh, do you know what? Yeah. And actually that can put a real positive spin on where they were feeling down before because I'm not where I want to be, but actually you're closer than you were the day before. And I think that's something that, you know, yeah, without realizing is something that we're doing from a rehab sense, but it's something that I can apply to my own practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you were talking about that, I thought about my my sibling experience. So for her, success is very different. And and what you're saying now, I think, is kind of seeing success as it is for that person and then the journey there. And, you know, success for my sister might be different to my success. And sometimes, you know, she she can find life hard because she thinks she should be a certain way of living and a certain way of life. And and I actually, I didn't realise I did this until you mentioned that. But I think I'm, I'm often going into that mode actually with her of saying, you know, but look at what you are doing, look at where you were compared to now and what's next. And I think you can be tempted to go to what everyone else is doing. And actually, it's, it's within you, isn't it? And I think that taking time to celebrate each run of the ladder, if we're going with the ladder analogy, to celebrate each, each point. So you know, as I've been building my business, I've, I've really celebrated, you know, just the, the little things and, and, you know, going out for a coffee to celebrate, you know, just really taking a time to, yeah. to mark it with something. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking actually while you were talking then, because I was thinking about, you mentioned about, you know, what somebody else's top of the ladder is, is not the same as other people. And actually that goes back to an interaction that we had. I've had a few on social media looking at, um, particularly there's been a big increase in the, in the, profile of down syndrome as a condition um there's a lot more people i think who are visible both in media marketing but it's more about their ability to confine to social norms that allows them you know it shows that well yes i've got down syndrome but i can still be normal i can still contribute and there's a good number of people that i work with for whom actually them achieving is being able to go to the toilet during the day for them achieving is not having a chest infection for two months them achieving is being able to pick up a pen or lift their arm or be comfortable for a day you know actually and so actually I, I might ditch the ladder analogy um, and maybe look at a pathway or something and moving along that mm. because I think that's much more accessible and doesn't it doesn't look at you know trying to improve for a lot of people actually just being able to live their lives and and their goals are not going to be the same as as normal and actually what we're trying to foster within learning disabilities is a sense of actually people are valid for what they are not for what they can do and how normal they can be people should mm-hmm. be valid because they're people yeah and and that is such a powerful thing and I think you know this is probably where where you as a physio and other healthcare professionals listening where you're actually probably quite a natural coach because I imagine that one of your first questions will be to understand where they are currently mm. and then being able to map out their next steps based on them and you know part of coaching is to really delve into okay what does it look like and what does success look like and then supporting someone to to work out what their success is what their next step is what their what their rehabilitation path looks like to them because it will be so so personal so yeah 
a, a good physio interaction should always start with what are you expecting to get from the session um mm. because that can As, yeah and same for coaching yeah there we go yeah exactly yeah. exactly mm. uh, do you know what charlotte i think that is a fabulous point for us to sort of wrap things up um just before we do is there any other points that you wanted to bring up i don't think so just thank you so much for having me and it's it's been a joy to, to chat all things siblings physio and coaching with you thank you i think it's been really really interesting to reflect and um yeah i think if, if people did want to find more information and find you charlotte how do they connect with you yeah so i'm on instagram at charlotte's been coaching and in the next couple of weeks at a reframe i will have a website not i hope to have a website mm. i will have a website so uh so i will obviously post that um on instagram and then maybe we can add it to the show notes maybe that's extra motivation for me to actually get down to the admin of building it instagram is my my main area that i interact and i love again um, messages are so welcome in my inbox i love to chat to people about where they are and where they want to be Thank you so much, Charlotte. I really appreciate you giving up your time. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to Tough Topics in LD, the podcast that is unplanned, unscripted, but not unprofessional. And we will see you all again next time. Bye. Bye.